Welcome to Anti-Aging Unraveled with Dr. Lori Gerber. The body is one of the most complicated systems in the universe. Dr. Gerber and her guests explore integrative medicine and cosmetic dermatology, combining traditional medicine, alternative health practices, new innovations, and technology, which work together to help you look and feel natural and age gracefully. Now, here is your host, Dr. Lori Gerber. Good evening, everybody. It's Dr. Lori, and welcome to Anti-Aging Unraveled. I'm happy to um, have Dr. or Mr. Peter Defty with me here this evening, and um, he's going to be teaching us all about what is optimized fat metabolism. He is the general manager of Vespa Power Products, and um, he's also the finisher of Leadville 2009, um, which is a crazy race for those of you who don't know it. It's a 100-mile race. And he's also a finisher of 2006 Western States 100. So he's got his BS in biology and in all honesty knows more about metabolic health and uh, cellular performance than I do. So welcome, Mr. Peter Defty. Without, you know, I don't want to keep you waiting too long. Um, our, our people are all excited to hear about um, optimized fat metabolism. And uh, I'm going to toot his horn for a minute. For those of you who don't know, the races that I just talked about, are pretty insane. Um, so I encourage you all to look them up because they really are pretty. Um, I- I've watched a lot of movies on them. They're insane. So without further ado, I'm going to let him talk about his uh, races. And actually, I wanted him to talk about a little bit how he um, got into optimized fat metabolism and more specifically the product Vespa. Um, and I know you, some of you are on radio. For those of you that are going to be on podcast, this is Vespa. It's a wonderful product. Um, that we're going to talk about. One of my favorite products, honestly. Um, I'm an Ironman finisher on Vespa, mind you. And all of my triathlons, I use it. And we do have a code um, for discounts today. So I will say it a couple of times for you all. But um, you can go um, to vespapower.com forward slash Dr. Lori. So it's L-O-R-I. So, Peter? Hi. Thanks, Lori. Welcome. Welcome uh, to my world. <laughs> and like I said, this do- this doesn't come from me. This comes through me. I don't know where this stuff comes from. But um, before Western States and before Leadville, there was my first marathon. And like a lot of things in life, it was serendipitous and by accident. And that's what got me here. Um, my first marathon I was training for, and I was shooting for a sub three hour and a Boston qualifier. And at that point, I didn't know anything about nutrition or anything, and I was training well, and I've always been a meat eater. I'm not one of these uh, nutritional experts that has a degree or had some sort of issue, like I went vegan and, and, or went low car- high carb and all that and, and then figured it out. I, I, I was always sort of just, I ate everything and didn't wor- think much about it, but then for my marathon, I was training well and, and all that. And, but for the marathon, I, I carb loaded just like I was supposed to, right? The big bowl of angel hair pasta and tomato sauce and, and um, did everything I was supposed to do. And, and, by, and I, was on, I was on well on track for a sub three-hour marathon. I trained well. My training indicated I could do it. And then about mile 18, I started to notice things were getting a little more difficult. And by mile 20, I was slowing down, and by mile 23, the dashboard lights were blinking, the tunnel vision was setting in, I was shuffling, my arms were a little numb, and it was horrible. And I I managed to finish. I didn't get the sub-three hour, but I did get the Boston qualifier by a few minutes. Um, 
But that really, that experience really left me with a real impression because I'd done some long runs before with no problem, but I didn't do any carb loading or anything. And, and that started me down this path that led to here. And that is, and, and one of the first questions I asked myself after that incident were, was, well, this doesn't work. So what were those evolutionary pressures that shaped humans? And I started to think about primitive hunter-gatherer tribes like the Maasai or the Hudsu is the still nomadic thing. And, and, you know, it's like they eat a lot more meat and fat and stuff like that and not a ton of carbs. So I experimented with that immediately after that marathon. So I ran, I think within six, six or eight months later, I ran three more marathons. But instead of carb loading, I had a medium rare ribeye steak and a loaded baked potato. So I had plenty of fat, plenty of carbs, plenty of protein. And I just ran through those, those marathons like nothing and had no problem. And I thought, wow, okay. And, you know, it was just with the biology degree I have from Davis, I was, uh, it's actually in plant science, but all my, my general ed um, work, coursework was, was right in there with the UC Davis pre-med and pre-vet students. So I was battling it out with them to learn the basics. And I got to thinking about, okay, they're telling us to, to, to carb load and we use our glycogen and we need as much as we can, blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, well, we've got all these fat calories on us and maybe that's what we're meant to burn and maybe this is why it worked. And that's what got me started. And um, fast forward from 2000, which was my first marathon, to 2006, and I was training for the Western States Marathon this fueling regimen I was doing was working. And a month out at a training run, a friend of mine, uh, Paul Charteris, we call him Kiwi Paul or Paleo Paul, because uh, he's a New Zealander. He threw me a couple pouches of Vespa and he says, hey, try this stuff. My friend Mojo swears by it. And I looked at it and, and, and you know, on the back of the pouch, it talks about burning fat, as you know. And so since I was already open to the idea, it didn't seem um, foreign to me, which, you know, little beknownst to me, because I was in my world, right? In my world, fat worked, but I didn't know that the rest of the world in 2006, it was all about the carbs. Right. Right? You know, you know fat was not a, a viable fuel source, according to the quote-unquote nutritional experts and the training coach experts like Chris Carmichael or, or Louise Burke. Um, they all said, you got to use carbs. And this whole idea of fat for fuel is just ridiculous. <laughs> Okay, so I didn't know at that point. So I, I, I did Western States in 2006, had a great finish, finished under 24 hours in a year that got super hot. My first 100, I, ha I had no problems, finished. I was one of like less than 50 finishers under 24 hours out of only 210 finishers. It only had like a 52% finish rate that year. It just was carnage. And it's like, oh, it works. And then I started talking, I relayed this information back to the company and started to talk to them more. And they were like kind of tired of, of trying to promote Vespa because they knew they believed in the product, but nobody was getting it. You know, because of course, everybody's mindset was about carbs. Yeah, the paradigm was different. Right. So they were tired and they were, they were getting ready to close down. And I bought an equity stake for the distribution and started working with the company because it's made in Japan. And um, fast forward, you know, in 2008, I, I became the general manager and lead in this. And I started to work with, with 
athletes. Um, again, my friend Kiwi Paul said, hey, you got to look at this guy named John Olson. He's a great, great athlete, but he's got problems with GI issues. So I reached out to him. We started working together. And, and my early adopters were actually people who had serious GI issues. And they'd literally run out of options the conventional way. Because, you know, all these gels say, oh, they digest faster. Or they won't hurt your gut or, you know, or they'll get in your system fat, whatever. Okay. And, and they'd run out of options. So they were willing to try the heretical stuff. Right. And people like John and Jenny, they just started to not have problems. And over the years, in not just giving them the Vespa and teaching them how to use that, we, I started to make these deep dives into the physiology and metabolism and started to f- literally figure it out. And I can, I, I'm still noodling on this today. I mean, we just keep growing and innovating and it's, it's, it's been a wonderful journey. I got to figure out how to, how to monetize it, but I, I love digging into this stuff. And then in 2009, I ran the Leadville 100 race across the sky. And once again, my second 100, we literally did that on 21 days of training. I, I like in July, I didn't run, I didn't run more. I did one 20 mile run and hardly ran at all in July. Uh, and then in August 1st, we did a stage run from Emerald Bay in Lake Tahoe all the way to Yosemite Valley over a week. And then we came home and did laundry and went out to Colorado and trained in Colorado and, and finished up on the Wednesday before Leadville. And, um, I, again, no trouble. Had the 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 standard twenty sub twenty five hour finish because that's what gets you the the huge gross belt buckle <laughs> at Leadville. I mean, it's it's gross to even look at. Like I'm wearing, I'll show you my my I'll Western States buckle because I wear that. See, this is this is the Western State. Oh, let's see if we can get. Uh, you can't get there. <laughs> anyway, I don't I don't know. It seems like something I've seen there, but anyway. I've got a Western States buckle on and I don't have my Leadville buckle on because it's just kind of, it's kind of laughable to wear. Um, but I got that being under 25 hours gets that buckle. So that was a good race. And then we continued to, to work. I continued to work with athletes, um, you know, like Timmy Olsen who won Western States and set a course record in 2012. And that was when the Western States study was done by uh, Jeff Bollock and Steve Finney. And they took data on, on both high carb runners and Vespa OFM runners. And that never got published, but that data was so compelling that it actually led to the faster study. Right. We'll get, we'll actually get to the faster study. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to Don't that later. That one away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, uh, after that, we, you know, it just, it kind of just, you know, there's Tim Olson. And then I, I was working with Zach Bitter at the time. He was using Vespa and he, he reached out to me to see what else we could do. And I said, hey, if you really want to get going, you got to do this. And so. For all runners, right? For, for our audience that doesn't know, they're all endurance. Yeah, yeah Zach Bitter's the current uh, 100 mile world record holder. Okay. And he's. John Olson, incidentally, John, John Olson was the first American to break 12 hours in, a, in 100 miles. And then Zach broke that um, five weeks later, and then he broke it again, and he broke the world record uh, here a year or two ago. So to put that in simple terms for you guys, because I know not everyone's a runner, and I, I actually just had my cousin messaging me saying, you know, he loves this stuff, and, you know, he's a weekend warrior, Ironman triathlete. This stuff is, is for everybody that – wants yep. to optimize using fat. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is like Zach, Zach's typical of a lot of people who, um, who come into this um, journey. 
uh, we get two types. And the one is the person who tries Vespa and gets the results with it. And so they're, they're hungry to learn more about this whole, let's metabolize more fat because they get that stable energy. So you don't have to, like with Vespa, you don't have to do keto or paleo or low carb. Yes, you'll, you'll see the benefits. You should notice the benefits, even though they're subtle right away. And then we also get a lot of people who are now doing keto or paleo that have heard about us. And then they come to us that way. So, um, you know, we've continued to just do that. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of re- really famous athletes that, that um, have used Vespa, but because we don't pay people to sponsor, we don't sponsor them. They don't talk about us because it's, it's just, that's the way the game's played. And, and yeah. um, that's that. Funny get, it's okay, but that's their secret weapon, right? So, um, so really- we continued. So what happened was in those early years when I was still heretical before faster, um, I was just developing this program around supporting these Vespa athletes and then it's become its own thing. And, and, you know, um, and we found that it's not a diet, it's not training. It's a whole matrix of, of variables that are very individualized and dynamic. And we try to help people do that to meet their needs rather than sell them a commodity item. You know, I mean, I'm a big believer in, in the ketogenic diet and ketosis, more, more specifically ketosis, but each person's different. Like, like a well-trained, aerobically trained Ironman athlete needs carbs and it won't hurt their ketosis. And you've probably noticed that. You're fat burning. You might carb, give yourself what is termed a carb load, which is a, a portion of carbs the night before a hard workout, a brick workout, and it's not going to impact your fat burning, but it's going to help make you go. Right. But that's right? Cause, cause there's, but like I say, a ketogenic diet has limitations in terms of performance. Correct. Right? So let's so look, talk about that a little bit. Floor, and that's, that's what I love to do. And, and it's kind of um, been a passion of mine. So in fat adaptation and fat burning, what, what happened, let me get to this point. What happened over the course of these years is watching these high carb athletes and seeing what they're doing and studying the physiology and metabolism I became to I came to realize these people were literally ruining themselves. They were destroying themselves by burning a lot of glucose, more so than a sedentary person, because they weren't a sedentary person wasn't putting the this volume of sugar through their gullet. And these I see all these people who are on a high carb diet capable of doing so much incredible stuff, but yet over the long haul, they're getting injuries that don't don't heal, and they're getting gut issues. And the gut issues is something that I'm like. Recently, I've been doing a lot of thinking about that, and it's like, oh my God, this is this is just, this is so significant in terms of metabolic health, the aging process, um, chronic disease prevention. It's 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 huge, and it, you know, we'll talk. You just prompt me, I'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna help us out here a little bit, just so I don't. Okay. I, we can talk, guys, so we can do this for an hour, no problem. Yeah. Um, so I want to I want to back up a little bit because you you alluded to a lot of things and I just want to make sure everyone understands and and I think what's really important to understand is there's a big parabi- paradigm shift in the way we're talking about using food for fuel right so we're talking about using fat instead of carbohydrates for your primary fuel source and I yeah, it, know yeah and here's the thi- why that is the case and met- metabolically why that's important. Okay, I'm going to give people a very simple thing, and I want them to think, please, people, just stop and think for yourselves because you have a brain and you do have a capacity to, to think. So don't be That's sold. Right? What's that? 
Yeah, I'd like to say we're not caterpillars. We don't just. That's uh, right. But, but we've been sold, told, and controlled. And we only know what we were, we're allowed to see. And so step back from that. And like I say, go back to that primary question. This is the question I always come back to as I do my research, both looking at the studies, thinking about application, applying it, the physiology of metabolism. That is, what were the evolutionary pressures that shaped us as humans? And when you think about that, oh, we store a couple hours of glycogen in our muscles and our liver. But we have literally almost limitless fat calories on us, right? Correct. So like, you know, fat is your aerobic base level fuel source and glycogen is your fight or flight. And because we're so robust, we have this huge glycogen storage thing, even that, but it's meant for these momentary bursts. And so then we're, we're trying to use it all the time to do a marathon or a half Ironman. And like, this is silliness. We are meant, evolution shaped us to burn fat as our aerobic energy source. And, and what's happened is the modern construct, the human way of doing things, which we've disrupted nature's, is we're now burning, we've taught our bodies hormonally and enzymatically to be focused on the carbs. And we've led ourselves astray of that fat burning capability. And that's where faster was very significant because it showed that humans were capable of burning a lot more fat than the science to date, the quote unquote man-made science, not the evolutionary biology science, but the man-made science said we were capable of burning. And what what was the science? There's science that backs this premise. So can we explain the faster study? What, what did it, what did it examine? Um, It was a comparative study between the metabolic characteristics of what they call keto-adapted ultra-endurance runners, and then the control group was a very well-matched group of conventionally-fueled, you know, carbohydrate-centric ultra-runners, okay? Now, just as an aside, it's important for the audience to know that those, those, almost everybody in that low-carb diet cohort they were coached by me to fat adaptation. So in the real world, they were using OFM and Vespa, gotcha. not straight keto. Was keto a big part of it? Absolutely. But was it the whole thing? Not so much. Okay. Gotcha. And in fact, uh, some of the high carb guys actually crossed over after the study. Well, of course, because the study showed that you yeah. can go forever on fat. Yeah. And, and, and so it's important for the audience to know that Prior to faster, um, the science to date showed that athletes, most athletes would burn between a half and three quarters of a gram of fat a minute peak oxidation. So their peak fat burn, aerobic fat burn would be half to three quarters. And, and actually the control group in faster burned 0.65. So they were right there where the science said, said the science to date did. The, the faster study, low-carb people were burning 1.54 grams a minute, well over a gram. The science to date said the, 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 the ceiling for human fat metabolism was up to a gram, that that was like an impossible ceiling. And yet, faster study athletes were burning 1.54 grams a minute of peak oxidation. And, and we've got people on record, like I've got a couple of athletes who've tested on un, un published studies that are testing well over two grams a minute on Vespa. 
Right, because it, Vespa helps to. Yeah, it pushes it even off. further because they weren't using Vespa in the faster study. Right. They're just straight keto. So one of my favorite facts just from some of your blogs and, and um, posts is that even the leanest athlete, because people ask me this all the time, how can these athletes who have no body fat on them work off of fat, right? That, I get that question all the time. And you have, there's a quote, even the leanest athlete carries more than enough on board fat calories to run 100 miles, cycle a double century, or compete in Ironman, or complete an Ironman. That's so I, I think it's important to understand that fat is an essential nutrient. People feel that they shouldn't eat fat, but fat is not created in the body. You have to actually eat it <laughs> and ingest it and utilize it for energy. Carbohydrates are non-essential, right? So when we think about fat metabolism, um, I'm just trying to put it into perspective for people that may not understand why this, you know, for years and years and years, the government, for lack of a better way to describe it, or maybe the healthcare industry, um, in probably an effort to support farmers for a lot of years, pushed carbohydrates, right? Carbohydrate load, breads, pastas, wheats, anything that they could as the top of or the bottom of the food pyramid, right? That was your base. Yep. But really, what we're doing is creating a whole generation of diabetics and fatty livers. Um, well, and heart disease and inflammation right. and cancer because the Warburg effect, remember the exactly. Warburg effect? And that that has gotten, as I do more thinking about this inflammation and vascularization, that is like ringing true for me more than ever. And nobody's ever been able to refute the Warburg effect, so, which is so, that, that, that a lot of different cancers metabolize glycolytically, which means they burn sugar. Right. They have to burn sugar. Um, and this is part of what's emerging about metabolic health that, that cancer, most cancers are a metabolic disease of, of where the cell, the cell health, the mitochondria go, go bad, for lack of a better word, lack of being elegantly eloquent about your cellular health, your mitochondria function goes down to where you can't, you don't have the machinery to burn fat because Fat burning is a little more complicated than glucose burning. And I think that that's another, why, another reason why the bias towards it in the studies is because it's very easy to, to study glucose metabolism. Because glucose supplies energy. It doesn't supply nutrition. And this is another point that the audience needs to really, import, really take in and understand is fat metabolism, for, is one, one point is for energy. The second point, and just as important, is fat metabolism is key to everything in your body, your cell wall, your cell mitochondria, your skin, your hair, your hormones, your enzymes. All of this stuff is built through fat metabolism, metabolism of lipids, cholesterols, lipoproteins. Proteins are carried in lipid matrices. They're, they're metabolized this way. So it's, that's the other thing, that, that's the other aha moment about why you want to optimize your fat metabolism is because Everything about your body is done on fat. Glucose is just a quick and dirty energy thing. And, and it makes total sense from an evolutionary perspective because when the tiger jumps out of the bush, the only thing you need to worry about is making enough energy quickly to get away, right? Or when the tribe's coming to attack you, the, the men go out to fight, the women go to hide and protect the children. And so everything else you don't worry about in that moment. But in terms of, of living well you got to get the fat metabolism optimized for not just the energy process, but the, the building of the, the robust body that we have. So 
Can we talk a little bit about um, glucose versus fat breakdown the cells? I, I think it's important for people to understand. We touched a little bit on metabolic disease, but oxidative stress and what happens when we give our bodies sugar, 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 and on the converse side, when we give our body fat and what the difference is between burning fat and burning sugar. I think the oxidative yeah. stress is what a lot of people don't. I do this all day. I, I treat guts and hormones and inflammatory stuff all day long. And people that are quote unquote keto or eat less sugar or even OFM, which is optimized fat metabolism, are going to have much less inflammation. Um, and I think- Yeah. So this is a this is a really big topic, so you might have to stop me if I go down right, the rabbit hole too deep. I'll look for the rabbit hole. Got it. The, the rabbit holes are endless here, Gloria. I'm <laughs> going to tell you. <laughs> it's good. Um, but it starts at your mitochondrial cellular health level. And fat burning, the, the, people need to understand fat burning is more complex, so it's easy to lose people because we're not going to give them a simple message like make yourselves great again. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But it does yield more energy. Right. It yields a ton more energy, but right. it's a much more complex process. And this process is called beta oxidation. It's a four-step process. And, you know, what a lot of the key, ketards don't understand is it's not about ketones. It's about beta oxidation. Ketones are a byproduct of beta oxidation that we can measure. So when you have ketones, you have a lot of beta oxidation, which means you have beta oxidation going on, which means you have ketones. And these are very clean burning fuels. And so, you produce with beta oxidation, you're producing 129 ATP versus 36, 32, 36 with glucose molecule. And it's very clean burning. You don't spin off lactate or lactic acid into the system for the body to digest. Now, we all, all the time we're burning fat and we're burning carbs, but that ratio changes. And the more we burn sugar, the more, um, opportunity for oxidative stress because like I said, it doesn't have the nutrition. It doesn't go through these clean burning steps and you're spinning off the lactate. So it, it creates a lot more of a, of a physiological load. And, and so you get this oxidative stress. And a lot of people know these as, as free radicals. You hear this term free radicals and you need, you need antioxidants, right? And, and our approach is when you burn more fat through beta oxidation, and of course, the ketosis, you're reducing that oxidative stress because it doesn't, it doesn't produce any. And this is what people notice from, from both optimizing fat metabolism and especially when they're using the Vespa, the muscle soreness just isn't there the day. And you can probably attest to that. Yeah. So that's actually right. what I was getting ready to say. Um, right. And so, on so paradigm shift for people who are athletic and everybody should be somewhat athletic is that soreness you feel whether you're a sedentary person getting off the couch to do your first 5K or an endurance athlete training up to do your Ironman, that soreness you feel the next day is, is cellular damage for the most part. And so when you, when you get more fat adapted or anything you do to shift that, that energy production more towards the beta oxidation side of things and less to the glucose side of things, the less free radicals you're going to produce the less you need for the antioxidants. But here's the thing. It's, it's not that you actually recover faster. It's that you haven't done the damage in the first place. And that's the light bulb people have to get on. It's like, oh, I'm not damaging my body. I'm healthier. And then what we've seen, and it's, it's been really, it's unbelievable unless you're actually doing it. But say you're training for an Ironman or a, a hundred miler or a 200 miler, you, you, you actually, the, the, 
that lack of oxidative stress actually allows your body hormonally to focus more on the training effect, the hormesis, to get stronger, have more mitochondria, burn more fat, and to be more robust. So, so, so I see athletes all the time have these really short recovery periods where they just instantly just get stronger. Instead of the workout wearing them down, they actually get stronger and fitter. Like I've got one guy who ran four over 200-mile runs in less than four months back in 2017. And like he got every, after every race, his, his other metrics got stronger. Like the first one, two weeks later, he ran a PR in the mile, 5K, 10K. And then on the third one, the Moab 240, he did like bonus miles. And so he did over 250 miles. Five days later, he ran the Marine Corps Marathon and did a 23-minute PR and ran it like a 321 marathon. The guy's not even, he's built like a Marine. He's not built like a, a runner. He, he's a real stocky guy. And, and then he did, the last one he did a month later was the Okinawa survival run, which was 250 miles in the heat humidity around Okinawa. One sleep cycle, like less than 36 hours later, he did the Marine Corps PT and did a perfect 300. And he's using Vespa, I'm assuming. He was using Vespa and all the OFM protocols. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was using all the protocols and it was just unreal because he, you couldn't, you couldn't kill him if you tried, you know, it was just, and, and I'm, we're seeing this. I, I just recently had some athletes um, do some stuff and they were remarking to me how they just, they feel stronger from the, the workout. So it's that, it's that damage prevention versus all this recovery stuff. Cause there's all this, you know, um, advertising and marketing about recovery stuff and it's like, well, let's just prevent the damage in the first place. Right. Actually, and that's, I was going to say, you know, we keep talking about these endurance athletes and I have a lot of patients that I use on this just to help them get fat met- optimized, right? We want to make sure that they're getting optimized fat metabolism and it does help you, especially when you first cut out the carbohydrate load. I don't know what your experience is, but I know when I do, let's just say I've been carb binging for COVID, um, <laughs> you know, all year or six months when I first start to do more of a fat adapted diet, it's a little difficult, right? So I feel a little bit lethargic. My brain doesn't want to work off of them, right? Because sugar's cracked to the brain, right? Because it works real quick. Yeah, and you're female too. Yep. And uh, <laughs> yep. it's <laughs> I like I say, from an evolutionary standpoint, it's, it's harder for females than males because from an evolutionary natural standpoint, females from nature standpoint, it's like men are expendable. Okay, we go to war, a few of us come home, but women... Women, on the other hand, are the nurturers and bearers of life, right? So you're, you're hardwired to eat and save for two. Yeah. Because, because late gestation, late gestation, childbirth and lactation, your hunting gathering skills are, are not quite what they should be. And, and from, from an evolutionary standpoint, you can't count on the male to be around, right? So you have to yeah. fend for yourself and that next, next generation. So yeah, it's, it's what you're experiencing is real. And it's a little bit more difficult for females, but it, it's actually quite doable once you get in the zone. And this has been my yeah, you cheat with that. <laughs> my best friend. Like, yep. so I'm, I'm p- trying to put this into perspective for people that maybe just aren't crazy endurance athletes. I know I have a lot of athlete listeners, but I also have a lot of hormone patients, um, a lot of wellness patients. I do a lot of gut and adrenal and thyroid and inflammation um, therapies as well. And I love Vespa for those patients because once I get them on a diet that is more suitable and fat adapted, they are, their inflammation goes down, right? We've reduced their oxidative stress. And in my brain, that means less allergies, less immune yes. response, reco- faster recovery. They have more energy to work out. Um, 
less disease, right? We're, we're stopping the sugar cycle. So we're getting a lot less diabetes, a lot less fatty liver disease. So all the things that go with having a healthy metabolism, Vespa really helps with. So I want to put it out there that it's not just. Yeah, yeah. No, this isn't voodoo. And we'll talk more about Vespa later. But, yeah. but like, 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 you know, the first thing we, we, we do is we get people off snacking. And the, and the three things we use are Vespa, bone broth, and, bone broth, and V8 juice. Or it doesn't have to be, but it can even be the cheap, cheap uh, stock, just something with sodium in it to keep people full so they don't have the urge to snack. Mm-hmm. Right. And what happens when you're off of sugar? You, you need salt. People don't yep. realize, right? So, yep. you know, you need some way to keep the water in your body so that you're not consistently dehydrating without glucose. Yeah. And then, and also you're not only jonesing for the sugar, but you're not feeling super lethargic or you feel like you're faint when you get out of a chair because right. once you induce that ketosis, you, you, you know, you get the diuresis and uh, it's off to the races, right? So, and that's where a lot of people fail with, with trying to make that, that bridge that gap between being a, a sugar addict and a, and a, and a natural fat burner. Right. So, so yeah. Um, where do you want to go with this whole metabolic no. thing? One little side, you mentioned COVID and one little basic point I want to make to people here is, is viruses. This is just basic textbook physiology and metabolism, but viruses metabolize glycolytically. They're sugar burners. Sure. Yeah. So Anytime you wire your cells to burn sugar, guess what? You're inviting the virus in to have a party. And it, on the contrary, if you wire it to burn fat, you make it kind of, it's not such a fun party for, for a virus. And, and, the, and the studies are, the, of the emerging science is starting to show that. And to a point, you know, we have enough data now to know exactly who um, is susceptible though to a bad COVID outcome is people with obesity, diabetes, metabolic issues, high stress, um, all all these things, and, and athletes are not exempt from that. If you're a sugar burner, you're you're at risk for a bad COVID outcome because this is exactly why it's just basic textbook physiology that everybody wants to forget. I've seen a lot of it actually. I had three today that um, you know actually two of them were were avid runners, so. Um, you know, to say they're not excluded is very true. Um, So I think that we'll get back to COVID because I do want to talk more about COVID. And I think that it's important for people to understand what is the difference? I know there's um, seven fundamental elements of what I'm going to call OFM because it's just easier optimized fat metabolism. And you you think in in pyramids and um, can you, can we discuss that a little bit, how it's different than keto and why it's different than keto? Can you repeat that again? The signal kind of went. Oh, yeah, no problem. Um, so optimized fat metabolism, OFM, yep. is different than keto, right? We, we've kind of alluded to this a bit. And there's seven elements that you talk about that are fundamental for keto or for OFM, different, different than keto. Yep. Can we talk a little bit about how it's different? Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, okay, ketosis is, is a keto diet is focusing just on the diet. And this is where, this is where we all go wrong. Like when it was the high carb, low fat diet, it was all about the diet. And guess what? We wound up with obesities and with athletes, you wind up being addicts and metabolic and GI issues, blah, 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 blah. So it's not just a diet. It's a, it's what I call a matrix. And that's in the seven key elements that make up the OFM pyramid or the fat adapted uh, metabolic base, which is, you know, getting your 
body back to that fat burning state, like which, which ketosis is one of the biggest levers we use, the ketogenic diet for that phase. Then it's nutrition, not calories, because you can be blunt, having your macros and your calorie count all right on a keto diet, but if your nutrition's not there, you're going to get fat because you're just eating too much fat and you're not burning it. And what we found is if you're eating the uh, whole foods diet, which we all recommend, there's no, you know, we don't want people eating a bunch of processed crap, right? Because in any industry, whether even paleo, there, there's all this paleo processed food and there's the same thing in keto. It's not that. You eat whole real food. And like what we found is once people are on board and they've, they've got made that shift, the fat macro comes way down because if you keep the fat macro up, guess what? Your body has to burn off that fat, the fat macro, not the body fat macro. You want the body, you want to burn your own body fat. And that's where we want to get you with optimized fat. Dump. So we look at nutrition. And if you're eating a whole food diet, you're getting the nutritional density. People don't have to worry about that. What I find is more critical is nutritional balance. Because once you have the nutritional balance in place, it's almost scary how little you need to eat how good you feel and how well you perform. But it's tricky getting there, um, especially if you're compromised. And, and I'm, I'm a big advocate of what I call a whole animal eating approach, which means you not only eat muscle meat, but you eat organ meat and skin and connective tissue. And most first world modern Americans, Canadians, Australians, they're eating way too much muscle meat, which creates a huge imbalance with methionine for homocysteine. That's where the that's where the vegetarians actually have a leg to stand on about heart disease and red meat consumption is, yeah, you're going to have too much methionine, which will convert to homocysteine and give you a, a cardiovascular disease. But if you eat organ meat and skin and connective tissue, and you only need to eat a tiny amount of organ meat because it is so nutritionally dense, but I'm really big on getting a lot more real food collagen gelatin products into the diet, not just supplementation, because um, a third of our protein in our body is actually made up of different collagens, your skin, your hair, your nails, your endothelial cells, your epithelial cells, your tendons, your ligaments, and the myofascial sheath that encases your muscles. These are all made up of of collagen proteins. And so people don't get enough of that, even though your body will make collagen from the other building blocks, it's the more you can get the real collagen stuff from food sources, which traditional diets all have as a major part of the diet, um, the better off you're going to be. And then what happens is, and this is to help people who are more plant-based wrap their head around, what happens is when we get that balance right, the amount of animal products you actually have to consume is scarily small. Like I was on the phone today with Dr. Kathy Dudek, who's a, a client and a good friend of mine. And she was asking me, and she's, she's an ICU physician and a trauma surgeon, and we're going to have her on a live tomorrow. But um, she was asking me how she can lean out. And she was saying, do I need that one gram per kilogram of body weight? I said, no. It, and, you know, just cut the fat down, cut the protein down, and you'll be fine because you're so well adapted. You don't need that much. Um, and so the second tier is that nutrition, not calories. And then we talk about stomach and GI issues, which Dr. Laurie, of course, is huge on. And it's huge. Um, We can go into that later, but I can't begin to, I can go down a whole hour of rabbit holes on that one. Um, And not only me, who's guinea pig number one in all my my stuff, but all the athletes I've worked with who were high-carb athletes who had literally ruined their GI tracts and we've healed them. um, This is huge because 
it's not just getting your epithelial cells and your villi and your mucous membrane to the best it is. But when you do that, it's like I say, I, I described it like an Amazon rainforest canopy. When you build that rainforest canopy up to say a hundred feet of lush vegetation, then you can populate with this huge microbiome that's in a balanced thing to also counter it. And these are all the elements that give us robust uh, health, absorption of nutrition and huge immune system function benefits because we're preventing those pathogens from getting into our bloodstream. And that, that mucous membrane, the stomach acid and the biome will just take those things, those bad things that we shouldn't have or too much of a certain bacteria that we shouldn't have and convert, actually convert into something good, you know, and then we move up to like hydration. Um, that's huge because as you become more fat burning, you need to be on more on point with hydration. And that's not just taking in more fluid because you're, you're, creating more energy on a cellular level. So you're creating more heat. And part of that whole cycle is you need more hydrogen and oxygen, but also you need more fluid to cool yourself to thermoregulate. So your sweat rate goes up. So that becomes huge. It's not just about water. It's about timing. It's about sodium intake and some, uh, somewhat to a lesser extent, potassium, magnesium, calcium, but it's really about sodium because when you, when you get fat adapted, you also create this so much less inflammation that your cardiovascular system gets much more distensible, which means your arteries, capillaries, veins, microcapillaries, all are much more supple so they can grow and carry more blood and carry more oxygen to your cells. And that's one of the big things is, is you don't have that when you're a high carb athlete, you have very tense, small diameter tubes. But if you don't have the water and sodium to fill those tubes, you get low blood pressure, you feel faint, you don't perform. Right. So that's another one. Um, I don't know. I'm all off the top of my head. Cue me if you need to, but <laughs> but we got Vespa in there. Vespa's Vespa a key. Part. The only one we didn't do. Yeah. Yeah. Vespa's a key part of it because that's who I work with, and and I've had somebody do some uh, data gathering uh, to see how Vespa worked because she got really curious about this, and she did a bunch of testing on various athletes, various diets, various sports, and she found that. Vespa increased fat oxidation anywhere from a half a gram to one full gram a minute. So it definitely does. It helps the liver function better and it does it working with your physiology rather than working against it. Okay. It's, it's not shortcutting it the way you do when you do gels or caffeine, you're not circumventing your own natural physiology. Um, another big one is strategic carbs. And that's once you got that fat burning base in, you really got your aerobic um, function way up, that level of carbohydrate tolerance goes up so big that if you're willing to do the work to become a really well aerobically fit fat adapted athlete, you don't even think about it as a diet anymore because it doesn't matter. You can slam the carbs and it, you know, whether it's a social event, like, you know, your kids having a birthday party and you got to have that obligatory piece of cake and ice cream it's not going to kill you. Or you go out to beer and pizza with friends, it's not going to kill you. You may feel like crap an hour later, but yeah. but you're, it's not going to kill you. But you can also carb load in the traditional way of having some carbs the day before you're racing. It won't impact your, your um, fat performance. It'll actually make you go faster without doing it. And it'll give you that push you need to be able to 
give yourself that adaptive stress where you're going to signal to your body, I got to get stronger. And that's the problem with keto is you can, you can go all day, but you never can push yourself. And if you try to push yourself, you can dig yourself a hole. And I don't know if you've seen much of this, but nowadays I get as many people who've dug themselves adrenal holes trying to push, push performance on keto yeah. as people who are pushing gels and getting GI distress. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you're seeing that now with keto people. Yeah, actually, that was going to be one of my points when you were just saying that. It's that when you, you're your adrenal fatigue when you're on keto because there is no like glucose utilization. Um, right. Your body's trying to find the glucose it doesn't have. Exactly. And I want to use the term adrenal stress versus adrenal fatigue because one of the doctors I work with said full-blown adrenal fatigue is like that person's going to die. Yeah. I like adrenal overdrive or adrenal underdrive. <laughs> yeah. I call it adrenal stress because yeah. your adrenals are say, talking to you and saying this isn't working. So it's like, like I said, I'm a big believer in ketosis. And, and when you're fat adapted, really well fat adapted in terms of performance and health, that occasional um, bludgeoning of carbs won't hurt you. And, and once again, I thought this through in terms of that evolutionary context. And, and in, in the environment that shaped us, in that evolutionary context, it makes perfect sense because when fruit was ripe or berries were ripe or tubers were ripe or we found honey, those were rare occurrences when that food source was available for a short period. So we could bludgeon ourselves. And, you know, it's, it's typical carb coma thing. You eat a bunch of carbs, you pass out, you wake up a couple hours later and you're fat, you're, you're, you're full, you're bloated, you don't feel so good, but guess what? You're hungry again. You're alive. <laughs> you're alive and you're hungry again. So it makes total sense, the method of, of the insulin response, the fat conversion, the fat storage in that context. And like I say, it makes, you know, Back then, we were doing it three to five times a year, not three to five times a day for decades, like right. we're doing it now, like, like high-carb athletes are doing it now. You know, they're told to eat. Instead of having the three big sugar spikes a day, you're having six or seven smaller ones, but you're still having all this sugar put through your system. So it makes sense in the evolutionary sense, but not, not, the, not the modern sense. And so once you're fat adapted, we're going back to that state where you can. And then the beauty of this is – Anybody who's been doing this for six months to a year, depending on where they're starting and how fast they catch on, uh, especially the people who've doing, done it for 18 months or two years, they say, I don't even think about a diet anymore. I eat what I want. I don't think about it because you just don't have those restrictions. The more sedentary you are, the more restrictive the diet becomes. And that's where that keto diet, like if you're sedentary, you got to be real strict uh, about your calories and your macros. And, and, and it's like I say, if you're sedentary, from an evolutionary standpoint, you're actually in a disease state if you're not if it's not just sedentary for a few days of recovery. You you really gotta be active and, and really be signaling to your cells you need to get stronger and fitter and build mitochondria. Otherwise, it's just gonna downregulate your mitochondrial health over time. So I'm gonna summarize that a little bit just to kind of clarify, and then we have about a little less than 10 minutes left, a little more than 10 minutes left. So what I want to do after that is move into a little bit more about Vespa, how it was developed. Um, but just so you guys understand, OFM or optimized fat metabolism, what is it doing for you? It's working with your own body's natural physiology, right? How your body is meant to function. It improves yep. physical performance, faster recovery, improved body composition. So when we're talking about leaning out. I don't like to say weight loss because it's not always weight loss, but it definitely can be a ratio. It's usually a default that's weight loss. But like I was saying to somebody today, because um, they were saying they hadn't lost a lot of weight. It's like, and you probably have seen this with you, 
the scale that shows you lost a little bit of weight, but you lost, you feel like you lost a lot in terms of how your clothes fit and what people are saying. Right. You lose the bloat, you lose the, the fat, yeah. it just starts to lean. Yeah, but you increase at the same time, you're increasing muscle and bone density. Exactly. Um, metal focus, stability, we're talking about, uh, you know, potentiating. Yeah, that's a big one because when the more fat adapted you are, and, I'm, and that means you don't downregulate your, glu- your ability to use glucose on point when you need it, right? Um, the more fat adapted you are, the more blood sugar stable you are. So for, for executive function, emotional stability, and for real fine motor skills, hand-eye coordination, because some of the first people to use Vespa and win on it before I was involved were, were ice skaters and hockey players. And, and one of the best examples is 2002 with Alexei Yagudin the Russian figure skater, he trained and performed on Vespa. And what he, he and his coach saw, that was a year, he, he was the guy who won the Olympic men's figure skating with perfect scores at Salt Lake City. Okay, he not only won the Olympics, cleaned house of the Olympics, but that year when we sponsored him and he was using Vespa, he won every competition he entered. And that will, they changed the rules so that, that record of performance will never be repeated. But, Get this, a men's long program is only is less than four minutes long. That's the long program. And so it requires this, these quick bursts of energy and super fine motor skills, right? And it wasn't just because he was able to use, be fat adapted and in that zone of fat, what I call blood sugar stability, um, which is when your blood sugar is stable because the first thing to go before you notice fatigue is your fine motor skills. So if you're a basketball player or soccer player, your shooting isn't going to be as good. If you're a figure skater, you're going to start to lose um, that fine motor. And that's what they found with him is his coach. Figure skating, you train with your coach watching you. And as soon as you start to get sloppy, you're off the ice because you're either going to do the move wrong or you're going to fall and hurt yourself. And what Alexi found with the Vespa is he could train a lot longer and just get that muscle memory so honed into doing it perfectly that he could do these triple axles perfectly without even thinking about it, right? And that's the blood sugar stability. So it doesn't just, it's not just an endurance stamina thing. It's, it's for executive function, motor skills, emotional stability. The more fat adapted you are, the more stable you are. Right, because you don't have the fluctuations of glucose. I know I'm yeah. very reactive, which means hypoglycemia, meaning I take in some sugar and I bonk or get real tired right yeah, away. It's a distress signal. When your blood sugar goes down, it's, a dis- it's signaling a fight or flight response. Exactly. But on a fat-adapted diet, doesn't happen. Yeah, it's like, and that's part of the problem with the fat adaptation is we don't get so urgent about it. It's like, yeah, so what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gets me in trouble a little bit, but that's all right. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, it's gotten me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> it makes me a little bit more chill. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I started this in 2000 and started talking to people about it since then. And, oh, man, until Faster came out, there was a lot of arrows in my back and oh. a lot of ridicule. And I still get a little bit, but. You know, it, it, it is what it is. I'm, I'm used to it. Well, we have a couple of minutes. We have about seven or eight minutes. So I want to just discuss Vespa and what it is. What are the ingredients? Because And, and also at the end, really quickly, I'm just going to dispel a myth. Fat-adapted diets or optimized fat metabolism does not create higher cholesterol. I want to I want to put that out there as a because I know that's going to be something that is kind not, of... Not, not necessarily. And it's, 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 a, it's a 
it's really about let's 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 oh, unpack have, this just a little because we, I know we have only a few minutes. Yeah, I was gonna say, this is the problem. This is the problem. We're focusing on the diet and the blood markers. We're not focusing on the metabolism. Right. And cholesterol is made up of lipids, which is fat. When you metabolize the fat, cholesterol isn't a problem. Whether it's high cholesterol, or low cholesterol, low cholesterol is actually a marker of decreased longevity and more disease. Correct. So. Um, one of the things we see with endurance athletes is there's a tendency for their cholesterol to go up, but the other more relevant, the other relevant markers go down. Like cholesterol is a contextual thing that the, exactly. the drug manufacturers have dumbed down to where we're, we're, they're scaring us into looking at one number. And cholesterol is part of every cell in our body. You know that, I know that, the audience needs to know that. Without cholesterol, you don't have cells, you don't have hormones, mm -hmm. you don't have anything without cholesterol. It's, but what happens is, in the context of somebody with too many carbohydrates in the diet, which means you have to burn the glucose now, the cholesterol backs up in the, in the blood and doesn't get metabolized. Right, and I'm gonna okay. stop there, and I just want you to tell people we have like two minutes. Yeah. What Vespa is and yep. how they can add it into their life. Okay. Vespa is a natural product using the science of nature. And it was discovered by some Japanese entomologists who were watching the giant, giant wasp, otherwise known as the murder hornets. And they saw it could fly like 70, 100 kilometers a day and carry a food ball, the, the, a third of its weight back to feed to the larva. And they, they started to say, well, what makes it do this stuff? Because in terms of strength, stamina, endurance, everything, it, it has to kill the prey. It has to masticate it. It has to send it back. So they, they said, okay, they, they started following it and seeing how the larva would feed this, this, this liquid to the wasp and this liquid contained this wasp extract, which is a, a naturally occurring oligopeptide that triggers it to burn fat in its metabolism for high level fat burning for high level uh, athletic, you know, physical performance. And so they said, well, cells, animal cells are remarkably, con you know, similar across species like 97, 98% same machinery and say, well, couldn't this do this in rats and mice and in humans? So they did some mice studies and sh showed they could swim to exhaustion on Vespa. They could swim way longer than control rats. And then they started out with people. And that's what it is. It works with your body's natural metabolism at the liver and, and muscles to trigger a high level of, of fat metabolism Perfect. via beta oxidation, like we talked before. And so we're using the science of nature, not the man-made lab and I'm a, I'm a real world guy. I'm not a scientist. I, I have enough science to understand and know what science is. I'm not a scientist. I don't build the data. I don't do studies. I make it work in the real world. And that's what we've done. And when you look at the performance result of our heroes, um, you can see that these people of all ages and abilities and levels are seeing this benefit. And, and you know, I have some of these athletes. One's a lawyer. And he uses Dude, I'm going to have to yeah, cut you up. I'm so sorry to do this to you. I'm going to just tell you guys, we can have a live with Pete. It's vespapower.com forward slash Dr. Lori, D-R-L-O-R-I. You have 15% off coupon, and I promise I will bring him back shortly. Peter, I'm sorry. We can have no, 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 no. Don't apologize. It's been we'll, a great. We'll it's get been great. And uh, on that, we'll, we'll see you next week on Anti-Aging Unraveled. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Anti-Aging Unraveled. Be sure to join Dr. Lori Gerber again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time 
and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again next week and keep you aging gracefully.